everyone, and welcome back to Tension of Opposites. I am not even gonna say it's been a minute, it's been a long time. That's how it would probably be for a long extent of time for this year as well. But I'm so, 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 so happy to be back uh, with a new setup in a new city. Lots of things have happened since last time that we spoke. Last episode was the 14th of July. By that time, I had given my two weeks notice. By the end of the month, I had moved out and moved from the city I was living in. And I went home for the holidays and I got to see my friends and family. And in September, I left again. So here I am in a new city. Complete opposite from my last experience, but we'll have time to get into all of that. The last series was so consistent, at least in terms of release of episodes. But here we are. Part two of our French experience. And uh, yeah, let's just get into it. Last series was definitely more jam-packed with things to analyze. And so it was very important for me to be able to divide it in periods. And it came very handy that there are already some very known periods for like the exchange abroad. For the Erasmus, which is still a fairly extensive length of time, I think it's just more natural to be able to divide it first semester and second semester. The first and the second semester for me were ridiculously different in terms of mindset, in terms of how settled I felt. In hindsight, I'm very, very happy that I ended up doing an entire year because five months is just so short of a time to be able to really adapt into a new culture and people. And then on top of that, realizing that you're never really adapting into a new place and meeting new people because you're not just moving to a place, you're moving to a place as an Erasmus student, which is very different. And you're just immediately sucked into what the Erasmus culture is per se. Let's start with what is our first semester and where we left off. On the rooftop, seeing the beautiful view that is Paris and realizing that maybe I wanted to have what now can be referred to my Emily in Paris moment. And I thought that I was set to that. The mood after realizing that maybe this could be my place, maybe this could be where I belong. It's such an attractive city, it really is, in, in all senses. The people that are part of it, the things that you do for fun, the way that this city is structured, how you can just like walk around and every quarter has a different history to it, has a different feeling to it, has a different style to it. You feel very compelled to be part of that. And that's how I wanted to start off. I thought, Okay, the beginning obviously was a bit stressful as usual, but now I'm ready to take on the city. So that's how I wanted to pick it up, even if already from the beginning it really felt that I was behind. Because as I said, I arrived on the 15th of September and classes started like 19th. So it was a very short amount of time to be able to really explore the city, have an idea of where I lived or what my quarter was. And obviously the all girls dormitory was just for two weeks while I was finding an apartment. But the mood was better. The fact that I had a roommate and she was so nice and so welcoming really, really helped. And the fact that I had my friend Otto as well was an integral part because he kind of filled me in from the second that I came in. We met the first time at the university. We have a selfie in front of the university after registration, which we bring up pretty much once a year. And yeah, we got to kind of delve into this experience together. Although he had been there already for, I think... 
maybe like a couple of weeks or something. So she already knew how to move around. I remember the first time we had met in university, we did registration and we just went around places. I think he was helping me to do the ticket for the metro. And I just remember feeling lost. I was like, oh God, I really hope my phone doesn't die because I have no idea how I can go home. Uh, the metro was gigantic and he really just felt so comfortable in the city and in his new environment. So it was good to have that sort of support system, especially in the beginning. I don't remember doing any sort of Erasmus parties. My mind was so busy. The things that I had to do that I didn't really give much thought into the cultural parts of the partying and meeting new people and stuff. I definitely wasn't very keen on it. I don't think I've ever really been keen on it, on the jumping in a room full of strangers. And I don't know. It never really felt appealing to me. University felt like... It felt like being a kid in school again, the way that it was structured. So Bonneville is a really good university in terms of what they teach, but it's extremely unorganized. So we couldn't really find our classes. We had to change our classes as well. And everything felt very class-like because the classes were actually no more than 15, 20 people. Whereas the university system in my hometown, it depends. You have maybe more lecture type things as well. It felt very American high school-ish. Usually you have Erasmus classes, like we had one class, I remember my first one, it was an Erasmus class. It was with this teacher, she was so sweet, and that would just made for an easier transition to have the first class with people who were just as lost as you were. And I had Otto. We didn't do all classes together because we had different timetables. He was studying Chinese, I was studying Arabic. But at least we had, you know, a few classes together, so that was also cool. Then my second one was one of the translation ones, French to English, and it felt very weird. It felt very nerdy, this girl coming in. Everyone already knew each other because it was the second year of university, and I remember just using the I'm an Erasmus student all the time because I felt like I didn't know how to have a conversation with someone and that it was obvious that it wasn't French. Um, so people would like politely smile, they would politely help you, but then it always kind of ended at that. Everyone had their own friends and I felt very ish in the beginning, especially because I went with a very clear mindset that I didn't really want to mingle that much with the Erasmus students, but I wanted to completely delve into what is the French culture, the people. So I was adamant, like when I had my class that I was on my own and I was the only Erasmus student, I was so happy because I was thinking, okay, now I can make my move, which didn't really manage to do that. Both because I was just so absorbed by the nightmare of the bureaucracy that is France. So I had so much paperwork that had to be done. The student card, the CAF, which is another student system to be able to get some money back. You have to open your own bank account, to buy your own SIM card. It was just a lot of stuff <laughs> to run after in the beginning. So I didn't really have that much of a time to even try to be friends with people per se. I was already meeting a lot of girls at the foyer, and most of them also went to Sorbonne Nouvelle. And at that time period, I was also thinking, do I maybe want to stay here? Because my roommate was really nice. Obviously, what I imagined and what I fantasized was to find my own apartment. This would be the first time that I would be finding an apartment and fantasizing about who my roommates would be and the parties that we could have and just... Whatever is most stereotypical, cliche, Paris-type thing, that was what ran through my head. So I was quite determined, to be honest, in the beginning. 
the offer was very little and very bad. Usually the average thing that you would be finding would be a studio apartment, which sometimes would be shared between two people because that's how expensive it was. Nine square meters on the sixth floor without an elevator because of course there wasn't an elevator. That would be around 800 euros a bit, bit disconcerting, a bit unsettling. Obviously, a lot of groups, a lot of people. I was asking a lot of people, asking all the other people how they managed to find an apartment because it felt like I was the only one who didn't. And I remember also there were some apartments that you would go visit that there would be like the queue of people that were lined up to see it that they wanted for you to write a motivation letter. And also, even in that case, a lot of bureaucracy that ensues. Some people don't want someone less than a year you need to have a guarantor. The whole apartment search to this day was the hardest thing I ever had to do, which was just so crap. And on top of that, starting university already feeling like you're behind because you didn't really have time to settle in. Lots of things that were going on. I remember one day there was this Swedish church that had some announcements of houses. I remember going and all excited with my little notepad to be able to see what there was an offer. And I remember seeing this offer that seemed very nice. Um, obviously on paper there were no pictures, nothing, but it seemed interesting, so I wrote it down. I went to see it fairly early on, because then also the demand is so high that 80% of the time like you sign the contract and you move in the same day. I called this lady. The apartment was available to visit. So I decided to go and through the Erasmus class that I had, I made friends with this other girl. She had my same nationality and more or less my same age and we were talking and she was also looking for an apartment. And as we were chatting, we realized that she also had seen that apartment. So I think we ended up like going to see it together or seeing it pretty much in the same day. So we go see it and up until the point I hadn't really seen many apartments because they had announcements but by the time I would call them they would be already taken. Some things were just some very unlivable situations and I didn't want to get to that level of desperation yet. And then we go this fateful day to see where this place would be. To me it's something that still remains now when I look for apartments. You kind of envision basically from when you leave your house to when you get to that place. Do you like the route? Do you like the matter that you're taking? Do you like the area that it leaves you in? That day, everything just felt so like, yes, this is it. It was in the 15th, so very close to where the Eiffel Tower is, to the point that when I got out of the metro, I saw it and it was just huge up there in the background. And the buildings were really nice and it seemed fairly well connected to everything. The apartment was literally one minute on foot from the metro. Typical, typical, typical French building, French apartment. It had an elevator. The lady that opens the door to us is so nice and so friendly. The apartment is gorgeous. And it was exactly what I envisioned. It had very typical floor tiles. It was a very old apartment as well, but it was fully equipped. It had three bedrooms and then it was just so pretty. I remember talking to the lady, she said it was still available. They had just advertised it and there were some girls that were living there at the moment and they were going to be leaving soon. And just that joy, that giggly, innocent joy of wonder and you already start seeing yourself in it and the fact that I will be moving in with someone who was my friend as well that I knew and I see the room and I I was thinking, oh, it's just so beautiful. I had already made up my mind 
if it was available, I wanted that apartment. It just felt so right. So we contact her and we say that we're interested and we want to take it. And in the meantime, there was this other girl as well who was looking for an apartment. So she was interested and it felt like it fell into place. A couple of days later, me and my friend, we, we skipped class to be able to go and sign the contract. One very small but very apparently important detail is that the lady that showed us the apartment was not the landlady. She was, I think, either a friend or a neighbor. The sweetest person ever. But when we went to sign the contract, we got to meet the actual landlady. I hadn't really met any French people up until the point. The people who were in class with me weren't really engaging with Erasmus students, which to some extent I understand. It was just overflowing with Erasmus students. My sister had done her Erasmus in Madrid, and in Madrid she met this girl from Paris and put me in contact with her, and this girl was super sweet. She was saying, if I need help with anything, to let me know if I have problems with language and stuff like that. And so I just asked her if she could accompany me to sign a contract to see if maybe there's some things that I don't understand for signing and so on. I had met her, I think, only one time before that. She so kindly decides to accompany me, and we get to the apartment. We go up, walk up, elevator, get to the place, and again, as I open the door, my other friend comes out. This time with a very, very different face. Basically, she tells me that the landlady is crazy, that she was so mean, she was so rude to her that she's changing the price, and so she's pissed and she's not going to be signing the apartment, she's going to find another way. Bear in mind, this was one of the last days before the end of my two weeks in the foyer. But it just came as a bit of a shock. I didn't really understand what had happened in the meantime. I was thinking, okay, seemed a bit exaggerated, but okay. That day, as we were moving in, they were the two girls that were moving out. And I meet this lady, and from the second that I interact with her, she just makes me want to cry. <laughs> To this day, she's probably the reason why I'm terrified of old landladies, just because she was so mean for no reason. I say, hello, good morning. And she's like, you're the girl, we need to do contact, sit down. The other two girls seemed really, really nice, the ones that were moving out. And I think when I was going in, she was either fighting with them, she was saying something. When we sit down, my friend decides to stay uh, because she wants to assist, like sort of, she wants to be a witness to see what is going on. So she decides to wait for me and to be in the apartment. But I go in only with my French friend. She made me feel so uneasy from the second that I walked in that I wanted to record it to make sure that we had agreed on the stuff that we agreed on. I tried to look for this voice note because I have not changed my phone since I done my Erasmus, but I cannot find it. I remember definitely at some point in the future listening to it and then deciding that it was just a terrible memory to have, and so I just deleted it. But right now, I regret that. I wish I had it so I could put it on. She must have been in her 70s. She was not from Paris, she was from uh, Normandy. And so she had come in that day only to sign the apartment. When people say that French people are assholes, this is why I think people think of that, because they met people like this person. I cannot understand why this person was so mean to me for no reason from the beginning. She was just rude to everyone, but obviously I just saw it in, in my lens. From the moment we sat down, she started saying, yes, it's 600, the rent, but um, I'm not going to include this, I'm not going to include that, there isn't a Wi-Fi, you need to buy that again. 
you have a washing machine, but you cannot use it. I don't want you to use the washing machine in my house, so you're going to have to go to the laundromat to get your stuff done. And everything would have been compromisable. Like, I don't think it would have been a huge extra expense. But she just said it with such arrogance, in such a rude way, that I was just petrified. I never had someone talk to me that way, especially when we're talking about signing a contract. I'm about to move in. I'm about to give you money. The French girl looks at me kind of like, are you sure you want to do this? But obviously she didn't really know what to say. And again, I had really no options. So I knew that this lady lived in Normandy. So I was thinking, okay, at the end of the day, yeah, she's, she seems terrifying, but she's not going to be coming. She's just going to give me the room and then I can stay in. How many times am I actually going to see her? And it's not like I had really any other choices. I had that dream. I was in that apartment that felt so right for me. I was just so close to starting, quote-unquote, right, the experience that I was supposed to start. So why give it up now? And that's what made me decide to sign it anyways. It was just sad that that is how it had to start because there was absolutely no reason for it to be that bad, for her to be that rude, but it just happened to be that way. I sign, I pay her, she leaves a little later, and afterwards, you know, my friend was outside and she was saying, you know, if you didn't have another option, that's absolutely fine. I just cannot stand to to be with someone that is so rude and so annoying. And I also was talking to the other girls and the other girls were saying that she was an absolute asshole. I'm like, yes, wonderful. So I meet these other girls. Basically, I moved in the day that they moved out. So after that, we ended up chatting a little bit and these girls were really nice. This is what I imagined my potential roommates to be like. They were fairly my age, I think a little bit older. And they just went on to describe how the apartment is beautiful and the area is amazing and blah, 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 blah. And the price was also very decent, but she was so awful that sometimes she would just barge in and walk in the apartment without letting them know that she was coming to Paris. And she was just very rude. And just those stories that you'd really want to hear when you just signed a lease and you gave 1,200 euros to a lady that you do not know. That was the mood. I went there wanting to celebrate and I just left there so crushed <laughs> that that happened. That I remember when I called my mom to tell her afterwards, she couldn't understand why I wasn't happy. <laughs> you know, even the first time it was a bit of a eh, moment when I moved into my first place. But yes, that was that. I thought, you know, now I signed. It's okay. There's really nothing much I can do about it. My other friend, on the other hand, the girl who decided not to move in with me, was adamant. She was saying, this is ridiculous. We've been looking for, at that point, you know, two, three weeks. She had arrived a little bit before me. I cannot do this anymore. I can't keep fighting shitty apartments. It's ridiculous that they didn't give us university residence. I'm sure they can. They're supposed to reserve some rooms for each person at university. This is insane. I'm going to go back to the Erasmus office and I'm going to complain and tell them. What I didn't know is that basically she spoke on, on her behalf and on my behalf as well. When she went to the Erasmus office, she told them, listen, we've been looking for a month. Like Obviously, she exaggerated it to make it more dramatic. We've been looking for a month. This is ridiculous. We cannot find anything. It makes it impossible for us to study. It makes it impossible for us to be able to go to university. If this continues like this, if we don't have any help, we will have to give up the Erasmus scholarship which was so absolutely bold and a lie. But I just loved how she just took the level of initiative and she just forced herself upon a system that wanted to tell her that this is how it is and that's it. 
And I talk in a very general way because that was pretty much the feeling with anything that was also bureaucratic in France. Like so many times they tell you, no, it's not like this. And then you insist a little bit and they're like, oh no, but they never tell you the full picture. And I'm a kind of person also character-wise that if I'm told that this is how it is, I'm like, okay, fine. Like I will never insist. Instead, it was a situation in which you really had to push through. You had to insist, you had to ask more times. And you had to really stand up for yourself. It really was a hard lesson to learn, which I don't know if I actually learned it, but it's good that I was surrounded by people who did. So she had done that. She told me that she had done that only after she did it. And at that point, I think I was just so tired. It had been a really, really long month, intense month. And the other German girl ended up moving in, the other Erasmus student who was in the class with us. Didn't really know how I felt about her. Second time that I was living with a German person. I mean, she seemed nice, but obviously I, I was a bit sad that I couldn't move in with that other girl as well. But I think at the point, this was the first time that this occurred to me. And I think it's just a relevant theme throughout the entire Erasmus experience. At a certain point, I just came to a point of surrender. I had struggled so hard to make things work, to push for the image of what I thought this thing was supposed to be like, or what I thought this beginning, as usual, was supposed to be like, the Emily in Paris type moment. Because in the meantime, I did manage to have a taste of the life that I thought that I wanted to have. I remember this one time, it must have been always the first week or the first weekend that I was there. I remember going out again with Diana, the girl that I was living with in the foyer. And she had invited me to go out with her and her friends. She had a couple of friends from Colombia as well that were studying law. So she was in the actual university that people think of when you say Sorbonne. She was in Sorbonne Pantheon, which is the oldest one. And so I got to meet her. And they were out with this other French girl, which was a girl that was in their class. So it was three Colombian people, me, <laughs> and this French girl. And I remember her telling me the um, plan for the evening was, we're just going to go to like uh, an exhibit of a friend of hers. It's in this quarter, then we're going to go for some drinks, and then we're going to go on a rooftop. And I just remember thinking, how fucking classy is that? That is so cool. They weren't much older than me. I was 20. They must have been maybe 23, max. And to think that their idea of an evening out would be go to like a small little exhibition of someone that was recommended by someone and then go for drinks somewhere. Like everything just felt so classy and it felt so Parisian. And I was like, yes, yes, I want that. It felt fabulous, and I never knew what fabulous meant. <laughs> and I think in Paris, I really started witnessing fabulous. I don't know if I really managed to attain the fabulous thing, because at the end, I was always the poorest version <laughs> of what living in Paris is. But it really did feel so cool. And the people were very nice, and this girl was super sweet as well. And I was thinking, this is what I'm aiming for. This is what I want to try to have. This is the kind of vibe that I want to live out in this city New city, new me, and, you know, all that stuff. When this girl told me that she did that for me, I appreciated it. But at the same time, I really was starting to be okay with the fact that I had to kind of let go of that ideal that I really forced upon myself so violently in two weeks. At least for the States, I had been dreaming about that for years. Instead, in Paris, it really occurred the second that I arrived in Paris, that I wanted that. So at that point... I was still very distraught, like I still had so much stuff I had to take care of. The bureaucracy part was more or less done, but I barely started and I was already feeling behind with classes because 
all this stuff was taking so much of my time that I couldn't even possibly focus on the work that I had to do for university and trying to make friends and especially going out like Otto in the meantime he was inviting me at his house and he was inviting me to go out and all that stuff but I just I was so completely overwhelmed with all this all this other stuff and it felt really tiring and I think at that point I was thinking you know thank you for trying to do this but I really am okay I I will figure it out somehow there's this other girl as well and I told this other girl all the other stuff and she seemed okay with it, so I was thinking, you know, maybe it's me over worrying about it, and that's it. It's it's fine. We're gonna we're gonna find a way. There was this one night where I remember getting out a sheet of paper and doing a to do list of things that I actually had to do, and trying to like I had sticky notes, and I was putting all these sticky notes separated per category of things that I had to do. And I remember seeing this piece of paper that was completely filled to the brim with all the stuff that I had to do. But at the same time, seeing it compartmentalized and I had just talked to the other girl and we started talking about, you know, the parties that we wanted to have and the kind of cooking if we wanted to buy food together, starting to create a structure around living in a house. We still didn't know who would be the other two roommates that would be coming in, but I remember us really talking about how we envisioned ourselves into it and the idea of making plans around it kind of made me feel okay. So I see this to-do list, I see this shit ton of stuff that I need to do, but I look at it and I think, it's it's fine, it's it's okay, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be okay, we're gonna figure out a way. It's funny how when you have the level of surrender, it's hard to describe, but it's very noticeable, like you do see yourself moving from a moment of struggle, where you are trying to push back, where you're trying to really force your idea of things onto something when you just get to a moment of surrender it just feels very peaceful and I really genuinely up until the point I had never experienced that before it's sort of lingering it's sort of quiet but you do feel it and when that moment happens things shift very very fast I don't know how but obviously this feeling has happened a lot more since then and every single time you cannot make it happen, you cannot force surrender, but when you do get to the moment of surrender, things really do shift very very quickly. Like You move from a space of struggle to a space of just new energy that you're attracting. And in that case, it really was immediate. The to-do list was on the evening of, I think we were already the 1st of October, because I had moved in, yeah, so it must have been already the 1st of October. And the day after... <laughs> day after my friend comes back to me and she's like oh my god oh my god oh my god she sends me this email saying that they had two rooms available in a university residence in the fifth i was just in shock she was absolutely excited so by the time we were just skipping class all the time because there was all this stuff that was going on we go to her office she gives us a number she's like this is where it is these are the details you can go now and you can sign a contract today. I was just, what the fuck? I was so shocked. Like, I didn't even know how to feel because I was definitely not expecting this. How was it possible that up until the point, didn't have rooms, didn't have rooms, didn't have rooms. And then the second that, you know, we sort of threatened per se, which by the way, obviously I had nothing to do with this. This girl did everything. And I, I thank her to this day because it was such a genius move. 
how is it that once you're threatened that you were going to leave and that you're not going to have the scholarship, suddenly just two rooms pop out like that? Seriously? So it was. And we go to the bureau. And it was in the fifth. It was literally, I think, a five-minute walk from where my foyer was. It was actually at the very end of my street. So I was on Boulevard Saint-Michel, which was the main street, which is in the fifth, where there are all like the coffee shops and the stores. And at the end of it, you basically get to Place Saint-Michel, and then you cross the bridge, and then there's Notre Dame. It's a really, really nice area. If you walk the opposite side, at the end of Boulevard Saint-Michel, you have this little, little sliver of street, and it's not very nice looking. It's, it looks like a university residence, but that's where it was. So it was so close to university. It must have been not more than 20 minutes on foot. We sit down and they immediately give us this contract. And it was a proper contract. Given that you have the CAF, which is this other system to be able to have some cash back, the apartment, instead of 600 and something, because technically the value of that room, because it's not an apartment, it's a room, would be like 620 as a CAF and as a Erasmus student and blah, 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 with all that stuff, I would have paid like only 300 for a room that was so central. I was in utter shock, even more because when they gave us the contract, there was written that the room was available from September. So then we were like, I'm sorry, aren't you signing from October? It's like, no, no, we're going to make you sign from September because these rooms have been empty. I was like, what the, why, why? But I mean, I didn't really have time to be mad. It would have been insane to say no to that. So I called my mom real quick, as usual. I called my mom real quick. I tell her what happened. She's, she's so confused because obviously she hadn't even been following what had been going on. But obviously she said, you know, this seems like a more legal contract, better situation, closer. You're paying half of what you're paying there. We're going to figure out a way. Just sign it. You literally have been sleeping two nights in that other room. We'll try to find some sort of way to get out of it. You can just tell her, you know, that we can pay two weeks of her contract and then just leave. We'll find a way. So I signed a contract. I do have a photo that I posted of this on, on Instagram because I was just so... It, it really felt like September was just struggle, 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 struggle. October, it must have been really like the first days, like the 2nd or the 3rd of October. They showed us the apartment that same day. We did the état des lieux, which is when you check, you know, the status of the apartment the same day and they handed me the keys in one day i had two apartments two contracts a room and the room i remember oh then i woke up so it's on different floors the room is tiny that's how it is for these sort of university residences literally a size room and i open it but from the door given that it was just a very very narrow room i could see the view and the view from my room on to Port Royal, which is where another metro station is. Then you have Jardin du Luxembourg, which starts from there. And you have the Eiffel Tower in the background, and you can see Montparnasse. It was just so... <gasps> like I couldn't believe it. The apartment was tiny. You walk in, and then on the right-hand side, you have this little, little, little kitchenette. And then immediately after, you have a bathroom. And then immediately after, you have a bed. On the other side, you have a desk, and you have a tiny wardrobe. That's it. That's all it was. But the sense of joy that I felt that day was insane. We had skipped class, as usual. So then after that, we went to Jardin de Luxembourg. We bought a baguette. I remember also taking like a picture of that. We were just so happy that that was finally done. 
now I found myself in a bit of a weird situation because, yeah, um, what's going to be happening now? The awkwardness of walking back home, the confusion on the face of the German girl, you know, just yesterday we were planning all these things that we would be doing together and buying and stuff and she just looked at me and she was like, okay. It still wasn't what I had pictured. At the end of the day, the apartment that I was in at that moment was what I had pictured. Then comes the very unsettling call with the landlady. I remember I was in university. I called her. I was like, oh God, how do you even say this? So I called her and I say, good morning. I just wanted to let you know that this thing happened and I will need to move out because I found this other apartment. Can we just settle it that I pay two weeks worth of rent and we can just settle it like that? Also because there really is no issue of not finding someone. Everyone is so desperate in Paris. She immediately said, Ah, mais non, mais c'est pas possible. Tu as signé un contrat. Tu peux pas faire ça. Non, 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 non. I'm saying it in French just to make it more dramatic, but she started saying, No, it's not going to happen. You signed a contract. You gave me the money. That money is mine. There's no way this is going to work. I remember hanging up. I remember crying. And I was like, Oh God, what am I going to do? So then afterwards, you know, after crying, <laughs> as usual, and talking to my mom, we try to reconvene and think. And reach out to her and say, Listen, if I find a replacement, can I manage to get my money back? And then afterwards, she was like, yes, you can find a replacement. You can get your money back, but you can only find someone that is staying either at least a year, or I think she must have also said double the time that you are staying. And I was like, oh, God. Just when I thought that finally it was all settled and it was all done, and all this is happening again. <laughs> I'm just not ready for this. Will I manage to find someone? <laughs> so stupid. Will I manage to find someone who will move in this room, which is decently priced in Paris in October, which is like one of the worst times to look for an apartment? I don't know how I didn't think that it would have been easy, at least that. I took the pictures. It was in the evening. It must have been seven o'clock in the evening. We must be around October 3rd, October 4th, something like that. I take these pictures. Obviously, I was following any possible group of apartment rents in Paris. I write all the details, and within one minute, I got a girl that texted me. But within five minutes, I had so many notifications. Within the first week, I was contacted by 73 people to see this apartment. But basically, I must have posted it at around 7. This girl texts me and she's like, hey, I see your apartment. Is it available? Can I come see it? And I'm like, yeah, you want to come see it tomorrow? She's like, I can also, I can, I can pass by tonight. And I'm thinking, okay, sure. So literally within half an hour, this girl comes. Her name was Fior. She was Peruvian. She comes up with this other guy, which is also another Peruvian guy that was living in Paris. And she comes to visit it. And it was just so weird because I hadn't even, you know, put away stuff. The room was barely even packed, so imagine unpacked. And she just came in, she was like, mm, okay, yes, good area, I like it, I like it, I'm interested. She definitely must have been looking for such a long amount of time that she was very desperate and, and very ready to get this over with. She was saying, yes, yes, I'm definitely interested. I mean, can I confirm you tomorrow or is that too late? And I'm saying, well, I don't know, like I literally just posted, so I have no fucking clue. I mean, people will now text me for sure, but... You're the first person that replied, so I will definitely uh, prioritize you if you're interested. She's like, yes, 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 yes I, I will let you know. I'll confirm tomorrow, I'll confirm tomorrow. Because I told this girl, I said, listen, I'm going to need it for a long time. She's like, no, 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 I'm moving here. So whatever amount of time, at least a year I'm looking for. I'm like, okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. So the day after, I called the landlady and I'm like, 
sup bitch no i don't i wish i could have but i have an attitude this time when i call it a second day i'm like well i wanted to inform you that um i found someone that's gonna be coming in the apartment and she can come for a year like i wish i just felt so yes i'm gonna get my money back yes to which the lady the lady who shall not be named but shall be always remembered in a bad way comes back to me saying okay you found this girl for this apartment um, the only thing is, I am not going to be in Paris until the end of the month because I already came to sign your contract. So if you want to come and you want to get this done and you want to get your money back, you're going to have to come to Normandy. I mean... Bitchy move. Sort of badass, like sort of respected at this point in hindsight. I mean, what are you doing with your days? You really, really cannot come another day, seriously? Like not even trying to find some sort of middle ground, not even trying to offer to do me a bank transfer, which would have been possible. The only way that you can do it is come to Normandy. I was just feeling so distraught. Not that much for me because it was my money. I would have probably gone to Normandy to get the money. But I was thinking, I'm supposed to write to this girl and say, listen, this is a situation. If you want to sign this contract, you're going to have to come to Normandy with a stranger that you do not know to meet the person that you're never going to meet again, I hope for you and sign this contract so the day after i just felt so horrible because i was thinking this girl is gonna say no i mean this is insane this girl is just gonna say no contact her the day after i explained what the situation is just already expecting her to be like yeah no fuck that because obviously she's not in it already so she could easily just look for another place and she was saying, I've been looking for an apartment for a while. If she wants us to go to Normandy, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with that. As long as I can sign a contract, I want an actual contract. It's okay. We can do it. <laughs> I was thinking, wait, what? This was by now the third week of university that ended up with me and this girl who I had literally just met on a fucking train to Normandy to meet the psychopath landlady to get my money back. At least at the end of this, I always have a very interesting story to tell, but we meet and it was just so ridiculous, it started becoming hilarious. And that was also a really nice part of it. The girl was super nice. I'm still in contact with her. We ended up meeting, you know, throughout my Erasmus time there. I think it's just so cool when you have these moments of, okay, how did you meet this person? And to meet them in just weird circumstances and to just create friendships out of these things is really, really fun. So we made like a day trip out of it. We had no idea what there was to see. It was a very small town. Like we went to the church, we went to eat something. She met us directly in the train station and she was waiting yeah, at the entrance. And for some reason, she was really nice to this other girl. This girl had sort of already prepared a contract, like she had already written it out for her to sign or something like that. She had come with like her big block of documents because usually... You need like a shit ton of documents to be able to rent a room. And the lady was really, you know, she just likes her. She was smiling, she was sweet. Then she sees me. She gives me my check with the money. And I don't remember what she said, but I remember she must have said something mean enough for me to cry in the train station when she left. I think it was something, you know, along the lines of, this is very unprofessional of you. I'm glad that you're not staying and, and crap. I don't even remember. I think at the time when I met her there, I found out that she had like a brother who was disabled that she was caring for. I don't know, it just felt bad that she had gotten to that level of bitterness. I've never met someone so outrightly rude to me since. 
So, yeah, that's how it ended. But at least I was free. I had my money back. That girl had her contract. She clearly did not give a shit about all of this because she was older. She was 29. So I think she had been through some experiences and she was telling me some of them. And it was done. We went back home. And from that moment onwards, I could finally say that I was settled and that I could start this experience and that everything was right again with the world and all that stuff. I was very happy. I was very happy that I had my own room, basically. Calling it an apartment would be exaggerated. My friend was also in this type of apartment, but his was two square meters bigger than mine, which with such a small room really makes a difference. And it was done. I finally had a place. Hard beginning, as usual, but I was finally in and I was finally settled. I was settled apartment-wise. Life-wise, it felt like so much stuff had happened in these three weeks where I was trying to understand everything, was trying to make everything work. So I kind of felt a bit complicated because on paper I was finally settled, but where am I? So many exchange students had already started to visit the city, had already started to do their stuff, and all the parties that my quote-unquote friends, because I didn't really have friends, were talking about and I wasn't understanding. And on the study side, I wasn't even going to class sometimes for all the stuff that I had to get done. So I felt very lost. I felt very behind. And this sort of weird contrast between the cliche of the Erasmus student, which I was trying to understand, the realizing that you're not really in contact with the culture of the country that you're in, but you're in contact with the Erasmus culture, what that represents. And you're starting to realize all that because I had no interest in that. So I was learning about it as I was kind of going along. Of the type of outings that you do, of the type of people that you meet, or the fact that you meet only foreigners. French people just don't factor into this equation. And then also that's such in context with what my cliche and what my idea was of it, which was so much older, I think, in a sense. The things that I was envisioning for myself were the equivalent of what I should or would envision now. Everything very, very settled, you know, like with an apartment and with my life and with my friends. And instead, that mentality was a bit stuck into this 20-year-old body which was surrounded by a bunch of people that, you know, would be just going out all night and getting drunk on two euro wine and just doing all these parties, 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 parties. I honestly, I just didn't find them appealing. So it felt a bit like, okay, so where where do I go from here? In the meantime, my friend, he's kind of like the opposite of me. My friend would be able to talk to anyone. He just has a charismatic personality. Um, he asks a lot of questions. He's super nice. He's fun. And then there was me who, like, I don't think I was necessarily bad or negative but I was just very lost and tired and confused and couldn't be bothered to put the effort to want to meet people. I think that was pretty much how the first semester went in the sense that by the time I'd finally figured out all the practical things of actually living in Paris and to me honestly it feels like the second that you work through that struggle the second that you manage to prevail on the bureaucracy and on the system of what Paris is at that point you feel like you're part of the city. It felt like that. It felt really cool. So while I was completely out of the loop of the Erasmus culture, and then at the same time, I wasn't really focusing that much on class, and I was already so much behind on everything. On the other hand, I was kind of creating my own thing. And the only bad thing about that is that it ended up being very lonely. 
I wasn't realizing how much I was getting into this lonely space because I was just so attracted by the city, by the things to visit, by the places to go to. Everything is like walking in a movie. I don't think I've ever had that feeling with any other city that I was in. You're in your own little movie. Everything is so characteristic, so classy, so interesting, so individualistic as well. Even just seeing people walking on the street, they had such a specific style. They had such an interesting way of presenting themselves and a certain assertiveness around anything and everything. And so I think I was lost in my little bubble and at the same time, that mixed with me not really being interested in a party scene type thing and already me being so behind with everything I had to study. It was a perfect recipe for disaster in a sense because by the time I actually felt really, really down and I had a moment of struggle, I realized I had no support system. Even if I had my friend and my friend for some reason, which I will never really comprehend, was always very adamant of including me in everything. And so many times I told him, nah, I'm not interested. Because <laughs> then in the same time, it also matched with um, the first time that I was living on my own. It's a very important part of this because I was assuming that living in a university residence would be hanging out with people from the university residence all the time. But for some reason, my university residence was not like that at all. So literally, you walk in, you walk down the corridor, you don't have kitchens in common, you don't have bathrooms in common, you only have the laundry parts in common. So you would literally only make friends with people while you're doing laundry. And they had some sort of common areas, but nothing really big. Whereas the residence of my friend was bigger. It was a bit more open. They had like a welcome party in the beginning. They ended up having Halloween party, Christmas party. They had a very big open space, which we just did not have in our residence. So it was very easy to just like close yourself in your own world. And parts of me really wanted to be closed in my own world. I never really had the opportunity to close myself in my own world. I was so gross also when I was there. The first time that you just have that level of independence where you don't have to answer to anything or anyone, I reveled in it. I adored it. I could wake up whenever I wanted, go to sleep whenever I wanted, keep lights on, put on music, be naked, think it probably half of the time I was there, eat whenever I want, eat whatever I want. You're 20 years old, so to me that level of freedom of I can do whatever I want felt so intoxicating that I couldn't be bothered to want to go out with other people. Especially because there were so many people of my same nationality. And I hated it. I hated it with every fiber of my being. The first semester was very much me adamant about trying to make friends with French people. I felt very morally superior in that part of my life. And I was thinking, no couldn't be bothered I'm not going to be interacting with these peasants only my friend and my friend had started to make friends with everyone but given that he literally did the exact opposite that I did he started making his group of friends but he was a lot more into wanting to meet as many people as possible wanting to be in that sort of party scene type thing we used to cross paths for class I used to go to his house sometimes for lunch and for dinner his place was kind of my home for a lot of it it's like one of the most familiar places his house was always open to everyone. Of that bittersweet time of my life, I think I remember more the intimacy of me being alone 
in the city, of me having my own privacy, of the conversations that I started having with this person, which at the end of the day, I didn't really know well. So I started to get to know him as we were in it together with that level of strength and solidarity. I have a hard time talking about Paris because it was so confusing. On the one hand, you have a new level of independence. You have a curiosity about the city that you're trying to explore. You have this feeling lost, but in such a romantic way. There's a reason why all the um, troubled writers of the 18 and 1900s ended up being in Paris for a certain amount of time, because there's just that level of attractiveness where a city speaks to you without necessarily having its inhabitants as a medium. I don't remember Paris for the people who live in Paris. I think this is the only time, the only example that I can think of, of thinking of a place without thinking of its people. It was just, there's some sort of magic to it that I cannot really comprehend. So while I was getting lost into that, which is the culture, into the food, into just observing all the little things that are part of it, at the same time I was a bit losing myself because I had no sight of what I wanted to do. I just had this ideal of what one day I wanted to become, but I had so much stuff I needed to study. I didn't want to go out with the other students. I was a bit reveling in my own time and doing my own thing. That by the time it started to get really hard, because it does at some point, like you're staying there for an entire year, that's hard. I really felt like I had no one I could really, really go to. Because another thing that I think comes up a lot is a sense of comparison. So You're seeing how your experience is going and you don't really know how to explain it. But you see that on paper, everyone is doing things, quote unquote, right. I had also like my little bucket list of all these things that I wanted to visit and quickly realized that I wasn't really doing it with anyone except for Otto and this other girl. We were in the same residence, but even we wouldn't be running into each other. It just wouldn't really work out, ironically. I think it's one of those things that you don't realize that something is happening until you have some sort of big crash moment. It was just living in a bit of a trance and being completely absorbed by the life without really living it. At that time, I had also started going out with my sister's friend. She was French, the only French friend I had. And she was super sweet and I really had a good time. I remember going out with her and I got to a party at her house and I came back the day after, just reflecting upon the experience and thinking, oh, I feel so grateful now that I lived in this place and I'm meeting these people and doing all this stuff. I had extreme level of gratitude that would always be countered with an extreme level of loneliness. That is also the time where I actually started writing. I've never written before, but when I was in Paris, I remember writing down a couple of things and there was this one time that I wrote coming back from this party and saying how grateful I felt about everything. And then there was this other one that was just like one of the saddest things I have probably ever written. I felt that I I had nothing to turn to, that I didn't know what I was doing with this time that I had here, that I wasn't making the most out of it because that's what you're told to do, no? You need to continue doing and pushing and pushing and pushing and living it up. And if you're not having parties, then it's not worth it. And there was a standard. Put a lot of pressure on what I thought I was doing right or what I thought I was doing wrong. With the year abroad, there wasn't really a thing. I mean, the only pressure that you had was what you were really putting on yourself. But given that it wasn't that common of an experience, and it never, it never occurred to me to 
you know, look on the outside and see what other people were doing. Whereas there, I was lost in my own world, but I was really noticing, oh, they are doing all this stuff, especially my friend. Like, he never made me feel uncomfortable, but it was a sort of byproduct of just observing him and seeing how he was so outgoing and he was doing all this stuff. And the first exams started happening. So we had, in France, you have exams mid-semester and end of semester. And by that point, I wasn't really doing anything very well. <laughs> I was a bit lost, especially with Arabic, because I did one class in the department that I was supposed to stay in. But I quickly realized that the level was so high that people were only speaking in Arabic, asking questions in Arabic, writing down notes in Arabic. And by that point, I hadn't even passed the exam of the first year, so I barely even knew how to write. So uh, that was very unsettling as well. That is when I got closer to another girl who was also an Erasmus student. She actually was um, living in the same residence of Otto. And it was the first person that I met up until the point that actually was sort of going through the same things that I was. Even to this day, we're, we're very, very close. And uh, we think back at that moment and we were sort of, rather than our support system, like our desperate system for each other, but it was so comforting to know that there was this other person that was going through the stuff with me. She was also the only other person I knew that was studying Arabic. She was a year older than me. Um, so in the beginning, it started more with trying to understand what classes we could do together because we both changed classes and we ended up having one class together. So then we ended up studying together for that class. And to do that, I would like study at her place and then we will go have dinner with Otto. So like slowly, 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 we started to create a bit this group. But... She also, I think, was lost in a bit of her of her own world. And we started to talk about it a bit more. And it really felt comforting to have this other person that I could rely on. That I knew that she was kind of like going through, for some parts, most of the same things. And so we could um, at least confide in each other for that. Arabic was really hard. Uh, it had like double of the exams that the other ones had. Because the Department of Arabic, which was excellent, had... Only these tiny, tiny, tiny exams of like two credits, three credits. So it was really confusing to understand how to do that. It didn't really work out <laughs> with Arabic. The other exams were more or less okay. I was still in that mood that I really, really, really was trying to work hard, especially as the semester went along, but I just wasn't getting good grades and it was really pissing me off because I was thinking, am I that stupid? How is it that... Up until that point, everything just always felt very seamlessly. But then the second that I started university, everything just does not work. In contrast with another guy, which was pretty much who I was before. No anxiety whatsoever. He would just study and he would just wing it and he would always do great. So I love him, but I kind of hated him at the same time. To have that other person, which is doing the exact same stuff that I'm doing and just doing it so much better and living it so much better than I am. Like everything was so annoying. Um, but with Arabic, it all revolved around me pretty much hoping that the teachers would take pity on me, on how desperate I was and how bad my level was, so they would not uh, give me a bad grade. And that ended up pretty much in me being able to pass everything except for one class. One of the good things of being an Erasmus student is that you can mix and match all the exams that you want and there's always a way that you can manage to get around it but that was really really annoying because I was thinking why why is it so hard 
But this other girl, you know, who was actually had an excellent level, she also had more or less the same struggle. So it was good to be able to talk to her. There was always this little cafeteria in the university where we would get a, a choco suisse, which was her favorite pastry, and just complain <laughs> about how hard it was uh, with the university and how, you know, we're not really living it up. We were just so stressed. But it was all mainly connected to the Arabic. I think that was the big difference because in the meantime, all the Erasmus students I met were more into the, you know, I did only like two, three exams. I just want to come here to have fun. I want to make the best out of it. Instead, me and Otto had pretty much tried to do all the exams we could have done. By the end of my Erasmus, I think I did 21 exams, which were smaller, obviously, smaller tests. But we were adamant about actually doing it seriously, academically. It was hard to find a middle ground. So either you're there and you're just partying up 24-7 and you're chill and you want to make friends with everyone and blah, blah, blah. Or it was people that were like super, super serious and they had to do it properly, which would usually be more like master students, not really bachelor students. So yeah, I remember me getting her a choco suisse. She had cried for whatever issue, bureaucracy of the Erasmus paperwork and stuff, because you need to talk with your coordinator back home. You need to understand how to work it out with your coordinator in Paris. It's annoying. It's just a drag. But I remember us with our Choco Suisse and after our like last exam of, of Arabic and just this moment that we shared together, I think to me that defined like the end of the first semester. We were both adamant that the second semester we wanted to do it differently. We wanted to do so much more stuff. But when you have exams in Paris, you literally have one week where you have all the exams in one. So naturally, if you decided to take up as many exams as possible, that meant that you had like two to three exams a day. So that last week we were at a level of just like stress and tiredness. Looking over already three to four months that had passed by, that we were just very over it. The first semester had just gone by so fast that we couldn't really understand what was going on in the meantime. I'm sure other stuff has happened. I'm sure I had visited more things and and done some sort of social events that's not the thing that comes to mind because I think if I did anything culturally it was either like assignments for our Erasmus class or things that I did on my own or I had some friends that came to visit but everything was just so me me what I think what I feel what I see what I perceive it was the utmost a level of self-reflection that I ever had and also the opportunity to have that level of self-reflection. Uh, I wasn't distracted by things because I didn't have any sort of obligation. So me not having obligations naturally turned in me going the extreme opposite <laughs> and just closing myself off and doing my own stuff, which obviously then brought to some sort of breakdown when I was alone because it's like you don't realize then when you're too much on your own that you don't realize when there's a moment where you need to ask for help or you need to get out, get out and get distracted because you don't have anyone sort of keeping you in check. Everything was literally entirely dependent on me. Very, very cool, but very, very risky at the same time. So of the first semester, I do remember the observance of it. I do remember walking down the streets and I do remember thinking, God, like at times this, this feels lonely for sure, but this feels like the best place in the world to feel this level of loneliness. 
I had these thoughts and reflections about me, about the place that I was in, about the moment that I was living that were just like so deep and I, I think I just let myself be completely entranced by that without really trying to put any sort of effort into doing quote-unquote what I wanted to do. And for some parts of it I'm really happy that I had that because sometimes I fear that many people don't really know how to be alone. And it's not easy. It's not something that just automatically comes because in my case, for example, I, I did it too extremely. So up until that point, I never really had a situation in which I was completely on my own and I was the one deciding for every single thing of my day. I think I just ran with it <laughs> and obviously didn't realize how much I needed it or how much I needed also outer stimuli. It was a necessary part and I think it's really cool that that happened at such a young age because it definitely went on to define what I like and how I value my privacy and my alone time. For example, today that I'm done recording this, I just came back from a three-day, 24-hour trip with other people and ever since I moved to this new place, I'm going out every single day and it's nice. I definitely enjoy company, but there's always a part of me that really adores getting this level of reflection and spending some time with myself as well. That's how I see the first semester. I think it went how it went because there was just too many things going on at once. And uh, by the time I had finished one thing, I was completely behind with another thing. And given that I wasn't really that interested in meeting up, and making friends because that wasn't my that wasn't the point of me being there that wasn't my motivation behind it I think I kind of like completely let that go and I was like ah, I'll, I'll figure it out uh the second semester but towards the end of it when when that moment came when that sort of breaking point came of seeing how much only one way of living was bringing also some sort of detriment to me and to me being on my own it was also very important for me to realize, okay, I, I there is a way to do both. Like, I don't need to necessarily choose one thing or another thing. I don't need to be so judgmental towards people that decide to do something in a way that's not mine. This always obsession with trying to find someone that could resonate with what you were going through. But my going through and my way of resonating with things was still influenced by something else, by something bigger, by cliches of things that I had seen, that I had heard of stories. I was still trying to live it up to a standard, but given that it wasn't the standard of what the Erasmus was, I, for some reason, thought that I was different or was superior or that I could not be bothered to do this other stuff. So um, I don't really manage to think about it as an Erasmus. Ironically, what I am living right now feels 10 times more of an Erasmus than what my time in Paris represented. But I'm very glad that at the end of it, it was nine months and it wasn't five months. Because in five months, I wouldn't have had the time. Maybe on the other hand, I would have lived it differently. Maybe on the other hand, given that I had a shorter amount of time, I would have wanted to, quote unquote, make the best out of it. It wouldn't have helped me. It wouldn't have served me in the way that it definitely did now. I had that time in my life where I was entirely me dependent on me and living me living with me and understanding me and as much as I acknowledge now that you need to have your social interactions you need to have 
your connection with the world, but you also need to understand what you want and what you like. For me, I need to get to the extreme of it. The only people that I actually wanted to be friends with at that point were French people. It just didn't work. It just didn't work out. It's just so ironic how I would really... The only people that I wanted I wanted to interact with, the only people that I wanted to go out with, because in my ideal and in my mind, I wanted to be in France, speaking French with French people. And so every time that there were Erasmus things, because I was invited to them, and my friend always still tried to pull me into all this stuff. I just could not be bothered. I didn't want to. I was like, no, I want to make friends with my French people who I don't have and who have absolutely no interest in me. I remember the day that I realized that I, I was going to give up the dream of trying to be friends with French people. So up until the point, the max, the maximum thing we could maybe do sometimes was um, going to get like uh, a coffee at the at the coffee place that was one minute from the university. That's That's the maximum interaction I had with French people up until the point. And I remember trying to have this conversation with them once. I was like, mm, so that's so weird. It seems like it's different because in, you know, uh, in my university, we have like a big group of people from university and we go out and stuff. And this person was saying, um, no, we, no, we don't really like we have like we maybe have lunch together and we have a coffee before or after class. But we don't really go out with friends from university because, you know, our real friends are friends from high school. And I remember thinking, uh, what? <laughs> so that was like one big aha moment. And then I kind of started having this conversation here and there with also other people from my classes. And I realized that this is like a general idea that people prefer going out with people from their childhood. Never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. I'm a, how can you work with that? If they don't even go out with each other, you know? To me, that was the day that I gave up. And so that's why I feel like the first semester was kind of setting the scene to be able to then live the second semester a bit differently but the structure was what made it possible for me I needed that amount of time to be on my own to have my self-reflection to have my period in which I was as completely like gross and out of this world where I'm given like a blank canvas and I can do whatever the fuck I want with it and then see how I want to rearrange it afterwards it was all dependent on me it was so liberating to just see how does this human being evolve and live her day without having to follow any sort of structure I mean besides going to class but that was literally the only thing I had to do and by the way I could also decide not to go to class I completely threw myself into this idea and I just never stopped <laughs> and it was necessary it was a blessing that this occurred to me such early on in my life at the time, obviously, it felt very lonely, but it worked. And at the end of it, to me, that was kind of worth it just as much. Sometimes having years to reflect upon this really brings out some aspects that you didn't even realize. Even before starting to record this episode, I've said some things that hadn't even occurred to me until just now. One thing also that was occurring, which probably confused me a lot was that ironically my life back home was so nice for a variety of reasons I had to go back home many times and by the time I had like a very good level of friendships back home and I remember that weekend was just so perfect from the beginning to the end because 
I went there and I met with one friend. She picked me up at the airport. She gave me a gift. And then that evening, I had met up with another friend and she gave me a gift. And everyone was so happy to see me. And I went to a birthday party and everyone was just, oh, you're back. How's it going? How cool. Everything working so well. And I was so confused because I was thinking, okay, but I was happy to leave this place <laughs> a month ago, a month and a half ago. And that sort of kept occurring as we went on. The only thing that made it different was Christmas, because Christmas was, of course, a longer length of time in which I actually had more time to see how I felt to be back home. One thing that I was noticing was that every time I left, given that I was coming back all these times, every time I left, always felt sadder than the time before. And this is something that still happens now. Like every time before I leave, there's always this moment of real sheer angst for some reason of having to start something all over again. But these breaks were so short-lived and then I had to leave again that they, they felt like, like little stabs every time emotionally when I had to say goodbye yet again and leave yet again. And then in Paris, like, things weren't going bad, but they just weren't really going because I wasn't making anything happen. So it always felt very uncomfortable to have this back and forth. And this happened a lot in the first semester to the point that in the second, I was like, I don't intend to see anyone until June. Bye. But Christmas was the last really, really long stretch of time in which I was home, in which I was asked, how is it going? What are you doing? I'm always very phased by conversations. That's when I realize things. That's when I realize what the perception of something is from the other point of view. And then I, I try to see how I am responding to something and I realize how I am seeing it. Because obviously, until you say it out loud, you don't really realize how you're feeling about something. I think that's really when I realized that something had to change because I realized that I had nothing to tell. Because I had really not done a lot of stuff at that point. It was more trying to salvage my uh, academic semester, which in all fairness sounds incredibly pathetic because that's not what you want to hear from someone. So also that being a longer amount of time seeing that at the end of the day you know nothing is really changed obviously it's super nice to be back in a crowd of people that want to see you and want to meet you want to say hi i want to know how you're doing but i think it kind of made me more determined to want to have a story to tell and up until the point i in the beginning just had to try to settle and a little after just had to try to survive and then a little after i had to try to salvage what I didn't manage to do while I was trying to survive it. So it just, it felt very empty as an experience at that point, as much as in hindsight for me, it really gave me a lot of strong foundation for what I ended up doing afterwards. So when I went back for Christmas, that was to me the turning point. I had done pretty much all my exams. I had only this one exam of Arabic left. I was thinking I will go back I will intend to live it in the way that I feel true to me. I've tried it. I've had that moment of absolute me, independence, privacy, loneliness, everything. And now I kind of want to find a middle ground between what I expect of my experience, what I expect of me living there in a new place, and what also the Erasmus culture can offer to me. Because up until the point I had dabbled with it, but I really never even tried to be part of it. There was such a feeling of being centered at that moment when I left for New Year's because I decided to do New Year's in Paris and I was excited about that because 
a lot of people have decided to stay. Even at the darkest moments, Paris was the most comforting, most magical place to be in and to get lost in. So I had allowed myself to completely let go, in a sense. And now I really wanted to get back the reins of what the experience was. Because in that time, the actions were just transported by the curiosity of what it felt like to live in this city, and that's it. And just be passive, observe. And also, I think it helped greatly that I had this other friend that had been more or less in the same situation as me. We both had that sense that we kind of wanted to pick it up again, that we could, that we had the second semester, that now we had a better sense of things. We had a city that we knew. We knew how the university system went. We knew what exams to do and what not to do in the second semester. It's like now I had the opportunity to start the Erasmus with the instructions. And that really felt cool. That really felt empowering to think that with that knowledge, I would have been able to do it in a more intentional way. And I think the coolest thing also is that it didn't feel forced for the first time. It didn't feel like, now I want to do this type of experience. Now I am ready. Now I want to allow myself to explore and understand more and, and see these other people. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to completely cancel everything I've done before. And it can be whatever I want it to be. I think that time that I left in January was the first time that I left and I did not cry. It was the first time that I left with a knowledge that I left with a mission that felt less forced and just felt more, let's see what can happen. And you're going to find out very soon. I hope. <laughs> I really hope. So that's that. That's the close of one chapter and that's the beginning of another one. <laughs>